Joining us now on the horn is Bill Ordeen, who is our gaming writer for PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. Bill, uh, a week ago today, you were probably just settling in in your spot at the uh, PressBox in uh, at Old Hilltop. Indeed. Yeah, and it was quite a day. You're right. Uh, and it's interesting. Yeah. You not only said it was quite a day, you said it was actually one of the most exciting events that you've covered in your history. It, this is true. Uh, I have, and, and it, as I tried to explain, uh, it was the t- totality of, of the moment and of the event. Um, as I may have mentioned to you, you know, uh, quite a few years ago, I covered what is a famous football game, the Fog Bowl at Soldier Field in Chicago between uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Chicago Bears in the playoffs. And, you know, the weather conditions were extraordinary that day. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the same was true at Pimlico. Uh, the fog created this atmosphere that was otherworldly, frankly. And, um, you know, every Preakness is, is exciting because you're on the cusp of having a horse perhaps have completed two-thirds of the way to the Triple Crown. So every Preakness is momentous in its own way, uh, and, and this one was, of course, no different in that respect. So, uh, But that, the race that came about in, that, in those weather conditions, with that fog, those horses coming out of the starting gate, and, and you couldn't even see them uh, in, until they came out of the fog bank, down at the um, you know, far end of, of the racetrack, and then coming up the front stretch and disappearing again into the fog as they rounded the, the uh, clubhouse turn. And then, of course, the back stretch, you couldn't see them except perhaps a little bit on, on the big screen TV. And you really could only tell the, the duel between Justify and Good Magic by the sound of, by the roar of the crowd as they would pass you know, each portion of the crowd, you could hear whether or not good magic had passed Justify and whether Justify had regained the lead. Yeah, it, uh, you know, not, not to wax too poetic about it, and I already have. It was really just a, an outstanding sports event. We're talking with Bill Ordeen, gaming writer for PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. Bill, uh, the fact that American Pharaoh won the uh, Triple Crown a couple of years back, I think it's yeah. been three years, has it kind of taken the pressure off of the need for another one, or has it kind of built in a, hey, we'd like to see a little spate of these the way his history has played out? Well, I, the pressure that came off uh, by American Pharaoh is, is this. I mean, the, particularly – because of California Chrome failing, you know, just prior to American Pharaoh, there was some pressure building that, that the whole structure of the Triple Crown was, needed to be adjusted somehow, right. some way, because it was just impossible for any horse to win the Triple Crown. It had been 37 years, uh, you know, since the firm had won it. And, and so there was that pressure building that this was an impossible task. So something's got to be done here, whether we have more time in between the three Triple Crown races or more likely, you know, that we impose some sort of requirement that horses that run into Belmont have to have had some experience racing either in the Kentucky Derby or the Preakness. Right. You know, that that might have been more more of a feasible requirement. So the pressure is off for that. American Power proof it can be done. So... 
I think that's where the pressure comes off, to tell you the truth. Um, what are your what after what you witnessed last Saturday? And by the way, I just want to let everybody know this is the bat around. I know we talk baseball. We're taking a brief respite, and there is a baseball reason that we have Bill Ordeen, but I just wanted to get this out of the way. After witnessing what you witnessed the other day, um, there are some that say that the horse justify was all out to hold on to win. There are others that say that maybe a little bit of the fog was in Mike Smith's head and he didn't accurately calculate how much he needed to get out of the horse. Um, What are your chances right now in your estimation of the horse winning the Triple Crown? Um, I, he, um, I, I think that he's a real iffy proposition to win the triple crown. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw how Bravazo and Tenfold were closing on him, mm-hmm. you know, that down the stretch. And that's what is in everyone's head that that race took an awful lot out of that horse. I'm talking about justifying. Yeah. And, and Baffert, Bob Baffert, his trainer, you know, the very famous trainer, Bob Baffert, who won the triple crown with American Pharaoh said that, no, this horse, he's a big, strong, you know, he's a big, strong lug. He can, no, that race isn't going to take too much out of him. Plus, of course, you get the three weeks between the Freakness and the Belmont. Uh, But uh, in my, it's not very expert opinion, uh, I I would say that I I think that Justified, you know, is going to be um, a tough, tough, he's looking at a tough, race in Belmont. And one of the reasons is not just because there's going to, you know, uh, the other horses perhaps from the Preakness that could challenge them. You know, there's always this business of horses way, laying in ambush up in New York who have been held out of the Derby, who have been held out of the Preakness and who have been training specifically for the mile and a half. And uh, it makes it tough for any horse. And yeah, I, from what we saw at the end of the Preakness, it is hard to imagine that Justify can hang on for the mile and a half, to tell you the truth. Um, one, one sort of um, uh, hard line in the sand that uh, Justify seems to have broken, Bill, is in, in the history of the Triple Crown, we have never had a horse that hasn't run as a two-year-old win the race is it possible that little extra that the horse gets from having three weeks instead of two and having been somewhat lightly raced in his career might just give him that little extra something to win with the understanding that I think the only way he wins this race in the Belmont is to come off the pace? Yeah, and that would not be in character for Justify. Yes, I understand that. So, uh, I mean, he's got, he's up, he's up against a tough situation. I understand that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, that, that is not his character to come off the pace. And not only that, we don't know what the weather is going to be like Mm -hmm. in New York. Right. And, you know, here in Baltimore, uh, I mean, that horse had to be out in front. You should, you sure don't have, want to have a horse getting mud kicked in his face. You know, on a muddy track, but you know we don't know what the weather's going to be right, like in, right. in New York. It might be perfect. You know, eighty degrees and the birds are chirping. Yep. Um, but be, having been held out as a two-year-old, actually, Stan, that really had more impact on how one would handicap or preview the Kentucky Derby uh, as opposed to the Belmont. All right, I got you. Uh, 
No, I, I think what they're looking at for the Belmont is just to build this horse's stamina, make sure he keeps eating, that he is, you know, maybe even puts on a couple of pounds between now and New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's more the concern. I, the fact that whether or not a horse, you know, they were calling it the uh, Curse of Apollo, uh, you know, that no horse had, had won the Derby, you know, without running his two-year-old, that made more sense to you know, in terms of the Derby, because, you know, you're obviously closer to, there's less time between your two-year-old campaign and the Derby than, than what we're talking about now. All right, let's uh, turn our attention back to, at least in the neighborhood or the zip code of baseball, uh, <laughs> the the obliteration by the Supreme Court of the PASPA legislation, which was enacted, yeah. it was enacted in 92, correct? Correct. Uh what is this going to do, first of all, in the state of Maryland? Has there been an inkling that the governor is so inclined to call a special session? I have not heard a word about it. Not a word. Not a piece. Crickets. Crickets on that one, uh, Stan. Uh, and, you know, to review for listeners real quickly, yeah. what, what we're talking about here with a special session, in Maryland, for us to have sports wagering, even though the Supreme Court has cleared the way by getting rid of the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act in 1992 that basically prohibited states from allowing sports gambling outside the state of Nevada. Now we've had that boilerplate out of the way. In, in Maryland, the voters have to vote on whether or not we have a major expansion of gambling. And they have to do it in a statewide election. We have a statewide election coming up here in, the, in 2018. Now, for such a question to wind up on the ballot in November, the General Assembly, the Maryland General Assembly, uh, has to pass legislation putting that question on the ballot, and the governor then has to sign it. However, the General Assembly has already finished its work for calendar year 2018. I mean, they, they're in session during the winter, January, February, March, early April. That came and went, and there was no legislation putting the sports wagering question on the November ballot. Then, of course, the Supreme Court comes along, and as we know, a couple of weeks ago in May, you know, as you used the word, obliterated PASPA. And, well, I'm using yeah. your word. It was your word first. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. You're right. <laughs> um, uh, you know, whichever one of us uses it, it, it was true. I mean, the Supreme Court just blew up that law. And states that already had legislation in place that said, what, you know, if that, if PASPA goes away, then we want to have sports wagering in our state, they are ready to go. Uh, Maryland, before they get to that point, before they go, needs to put this in front of the voters. Well, the only way we can get it in front of the voters in 2018 is if the governor calls a special session, brings the General Assembly back and votes on this thing to put this to, to allow us voters, we voters, to, uh, to go to the polls in November and vote on it. Well, yeah, you're right. There is no indication that Governor Hogan uh, is going to call a special session to do that. Um, as some listeners may know, the state um, House, House of Delegates, did pass legislation. When that legislation went to the Senate, it just withered and died. So we are looking at the prospects, Sam, 
of not getting another crack at this until the next statewide election, which is in the year 2020, 2020. correct? Yep. Yep. So, yep. We're, we're, so the fact that the governor isn't moving on this expeditiously is a sign that he's not really uh, prioritizing this legislation for the state that, of Maryland. That is correct. Okay. That is correct. Um, now, uh, while it doesn't affect uh, people necessarily in the state of Maryland that are listening to this, wanted to ask you a question. In the old days, uh, and I'm 66 now, so they're, they've, the old days are a long time now. Betting, yeah. on, betting on baseball meant betting on outcomes of games or, right. a, or a parlay of a string of games. Sure. Um, with Daily Fantasy Sports has done – has changed the face of how you bet on sports, where you're betting on um, you you have a salary cap and you're competing against like-minded players who have to pick the same basic type of players. Uh, meaning you have to have a couple outfielders, a couple infielders, a catcher, and a pitcher, and compete categorically. Um, yeah. Is is legalized sports betting? going to change that and make the emphasis back on betting on outcomes, Bill? No, I, I think that there will be a combination of that. Uh, certainly, you know, betting on outcomes it has been the traditional way that sports wagering on baseball has occurred. And I anticipate that. Can I just interject? The sure. betting on outcomes is what sports has feared could be gerrymandered or rigged is the betting on outcomes of games, correct? Well, that has been their stated, that, that had been their stated objection. You're right. right. There's not this feeling like, boy, we're going to have uh, Chris Davis and uh, Manny Machado play exceedingly well to, to, to cause a, an outcome in daily fantasy that's going to, you know, win some people a lot of money. That, that hasn't yeah. been a concern. Yeah, you are right, and and early on in the debate over daily fantasy, one of the arguments in favor of daily fantasy in terms of, of game integrity was that uh, the zillions of combinations of players that might make up a person's daily fantasy lineup, those were there, there were so many of them, the multiplicity of those lineups virtually made it impossible yeah to try and quote-unquote rig a daily fantasy outcome where one could imagine that if it were just an outcome-based wager, that it is much easier to quote-unquote rig the outcome of the the wager. So, yeah, that that was part of it, the fact that there was this multiplicity of lineups. Uh, And and I, I will tell you this, as the daily fantasy companies begin to size up the you know, the uh, sports wagering landscape now, now that the sports wagering landscape has changed, you know, we may see sport daily, the daily fantasy companies offering, well, I'll call them wagers now, offering contests, wagers that are predicated on outcomes and not some assortment yeah. of player lineups. I've been, I listen a great deal to XM Fantasy now. And yeah. that seems to be something that is percolating in the conversation is that with legalized betting on sports, the emphasis is most likely to go back to outcomes uh, where people feel that they have a much better chance at competing and winning money than going up against these uh, 
you know, strategies right. of some geeks from Harvard and Yale, you know. Yeah, well, I, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to throw a little bit of cold water on the prospect of that happening in the near future. Okay. Uh, by saying this, I mean, the daily fantasy um, companies have successfully allowed uh, customers to play against each other in contests across most state lines, mm-hmm. predicated on the notion that what they offer, these daily, these daily fantasy contests, are not sports wagering. And, and so consequently, you know, you could be here in Maryland and you could pick your lineup and you could be in a pool of players of thousands of, of competitors, your, your competitors, your peers, you know, in New York and Illinois and California and Florida. Now, if in fact, DraftKings. They're arguing. Back. They're arguing that it's a game of skill, correct? Yeah. Well, that was yeah, and that was part of it. Yeah. And and I got to tell you, so is sports wagering. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not quite sure what this game of skill, whether or not that game of skill argument would have actually held up in, in a court case. Right. Um. But I mean, what their their point was is that uh, fantasy contests, because of their complexity. Uh, stood apart from uh, sports wagering and were not covered by PASPA. I mean, they were saying that the daily fantasy contests were not covered by PASPA mm-hmm. because of UGA, another federal law <laughs> that we haven't talked about on this broadcast. Right. The Unlawful Internet Gambling Enforcement Act actually went out of its way to, to say that fantasy contests were not covered under this prohibition of internet gambling um, that that was outlined in UJF. So that's kind of what the Daily Fantasy guys hung their hats on. Now let me get back to the notion of an outfit like DraftKings we've got offering... Like, we've got like about two minutes, Bill. Go ahead. Okay. Offering a game outcome, you know, based contest. You know, they, they could still run afoul of the Wire Act mm-hmm. in trying to do that across state lines. So even if DraftKings and FanDuel were to offer outcome-based contests, I think it would still only be within states within that allow... Within the states that allow legalized gambling. Yeah, yeah like yeah. Jersey. No, I agree I agree with that. Yeah. I was looking down the road. Uh, right, that. right, exactly. So let yeah. me... We've, yeah. got, we've got about a minute and a half, and, and I would love to have you back on in a couple of weeks to, to pick up on this thread. So obviously you've noticed and you've known for some time that the four big leagues, the NBA, the NHL, NFL, and MLB, they are embracing this like, uh, you know, like the, the <laughs> long-lost uh, Aunt Tilly who's got a lot of money. Yeah. Um, do you think that these leagues are entitled to a portion of the game, uh, or is this just another way to screw fans that you've got the operators are going to need to make money, the leagues are going to be to make money, and it's the games are going to be set up in such a way that you'll the the fan will just win less money. Yeah, personally, I am offended. Yeah, uh, that that the leagues want to want to take some of the some money off the top uh, because they are already going to be beneficiaries. Right. Uh, the, quite, the, this is going to lead to higher ratings, higher interest absolutely. in the sports. There's no question about it. I mean, they're going to you know the leagues will make a ton of money. Just because people will be able, to, will have more accessibility to sports wagering, and on top of that great benefit right. that sports leagues are going to enjoy, 
They want to say, oh, and by the way, let us skim some cream off the top of this. Right. And, and of course, you know who's going to get hurt in that? It's the, the customer, fan. the sports the fan. The sports fan, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the odds will be, you know, lessened. The payoffs will not be as good. You know, those are the people who will want that, – that's whose pocket that will I, come out of. I want to just point this out. I know we've only got about 30 seconds, but I'm privy to the fact that uh, Dick Cass recently – spoke to the Ravens Roost, the Council of Ravens Roost presidents. And, you know, one of the things, obviously, the fans wanted to talk about was the national anthem thing. But there was an uproar over lost value in the PSLs that people purchased, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. People had some kind of, in my opinion, misguided or naive notion that that was guaranteed to go up in value. Yeah, uh, I just maintain that the angst that fans have over something like that, I think these leagues ought to think long and hard or their or their partners in the leagues before they let the leagues decide this. Somebody might want to step up and champion the fans that say, hey, we've gone to the well enough on these fans and we've sunk them and now we're finally returning a little bit of it with uh, – with less egregious pricing on hot dogs and beers and things like that. But maybe this would be a way to give something back to the fans is not put our hands in their pocket again. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree a thousand percent on that. All you know, right. Let's leave it at that today. I promise in the next couple of weeks, maybe on Belmont Sunday, Saturday, we can get you on again. All right. I look forward to it, Stan. All right, Bill. Thank you very much. Always You're appreciate welcome. it. All right.